All right. There we go. I have a document. I have questions in this document, and I have I have some things to read in this document as as um, context for why we wanted to make this recording. Sure. Um, so Intuitive Public Radio wants to help every possible community to thrive in ways that allow them to welcome survivors of invisible violence and intersectionalization into safe, respectful spaces, prevent human trafficking pathways, and build stabilized, inclusive resource infrastructure self-determined by community members and group collaborations. To this aim, we are inciting the rapid growth of food forest networks all over the planet. We're building safe and supported travel routes between locations, welcoming travelers and creating new resources for those who live on the road. The old violent paradigms are crumbling away, making space for us now to build beautiful things. We want people to know how to start strong, brave organizations and what to keep in mind as they do so, so that we can connect as many people as possible to safe, accessible, profoundly regenerative resourcing. Um, and we wanted to talk with Robert Michael about 508C1A organizations, um, because we, we started on some of these particular threads um, trying to understand um, all, of, all of the bureaucratic stuff around nonprofit organizations, because what we found was that none of the existing nonprofit infrastructures could accommodate survivors of the most severe and invisible forms of violence. We were, we were too severe, they, they, there were liability things, there was um, lack of understanding how to interact with people. Like it, it's just, there's a terribly long list. And so survivors um, being severely disabled in situations of ongoing violence, trying to figure out um, people won't share resources with us because we're not a nonprofit, but none of the nonprofits will talk to us. So how do we, how do we make this? So this has been years, <laughs> this has been years. And then there was some, and I'm not even sure where the mention was, but somewhere, and it might've been when we talked with you uh, some months ago, um, you said something about the, the difference between a 501C3 and a 508C1A. And that started us on that, this whole um, set of journeys around that we have since found ourselves able to create a 508C1A. Um, we have just done, I think, the barest first steps of it, but that just recently happened. So I thought I would also mention it. Um, and so our, our questions about it are in that context. I guess that's my introduction. Did, did all of that make sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. You just need some information. You need information on how these things operate. Um, yes. So 508C1A is just a tax designation. It doesn't uh, necessarily mean that you, you're untouchable, right? A lot of people think, oh, I'm setting up a 508, I'm untouchable, you know, and or I'm setting up a 508 and we're doing business, you know, so that's really not uh, the best defensive position you can take when somebody tries to attack your 508. 508 is simply a church. It's a church. It's an integrated auxiliary. It's a uh, convention or an association of a church. So it has to be a church and it has to be um, charitable, obviously. Nonprofit simply meaning nonprofit doesn't mean it can't make any money. 
just means that the money has to go back into the organization. It has to go back into the services provided for the, the members, if you will. So the best way to do that, of course, is to set up a church and the church should be uh, under Christianity. Um, it should be under, in my opinion, under the true Christianity, not the Catholic Christianity, which all Christianity in today's world is essentially Catholic, um, Presbyterian, Lutheran, you know, all these other, they're all Baptists, they're all under the Catholic uh, principles, so to speak. So, you know, outside of that, Christianity is a very pure religion, um, if you will, if you re really read the Bible for what it is, the code book that it actually is, rather than the, the dogma that, it, that they tell you it is. So establish the church under um, Christianity, and it's for charitable causes. And the church can create a, an association, and the association can have members, the church can have members. Um, so I run my operation, um, and what I do for charitable purposes through the church everything's through the church right because we're spreading the word the gospel the gospel is truth right so the gospel not being um essentially what uh you preach out of the book the gospel is essentially the truth so um for us we're set up as a 508c1a uh which means we're not set up at all. We don't have any registration. There's no forms to fill out. There's no registration. There's no, you know, sign this up with the state, register this or that. That's not what 508C1A says. 508C1A says that a church can have all the exemptions and everything that a 501C3 has. It just doesn't have to file anything. It doesn't have to go through any red tape. It doesn't have to do any bureaucratic paperwork. So and to help people who who are coming to this from from really different life experiences and standpoints, um, the what, what you say about Christianity and the code book, um, I want to keep helping people uh, connect with that because it has been necessary to to use the, the infrastructure of concepts in this particular way, because the systems have been based on, um, on dismant that. dismantling the, the power that comes from understanding those concepts and how they are used. Did I say that quite right? You think? Yeah, absolutely. They created, you know, remember Constantine created Christianity, okay, not Christ. Christ didn't create Christianity. Christ was just, uh, you know, an anointed someone that was very highly evolved that was teaching the truth right constantine created christianity at the nicene with the nicene council okay so they created it uh to be able to control the world and they put their gods in there right all their gods are within the bible as angels and all these different things right that it's no more they just took the egyptian pagan stuff and they put it into the you know they made sure they hid it in the bible right so that they could worship the sun god you know um it was constantine that started worship on sunday there's no the sabbath is not sunday it's saturday it's clear in the torah so you know again it's just a code book for civil law code book for uh commercial law enslavement you know that whole thing how you come out of enslavement um so we build our church on Christianity, the true Christianity, which is the teachings of Christ, that whoever he, he was, which was, you know, his name could have been Yeshua, it could have, doesn't matter. The bottom line is there's many masters that taught the same principles, you know, and we just use that because we know that the, when the government comes to look at your organization, they're going to look at that you have a recognized form of religion, or are you just making something up and saying you're 
new age. Well, that's not going to fly. You know, this new age is not a religion. I mean, it could be, it seems to be nowadays, um, but that's not going to fly in the eyes of uh, a defensive position for your organization, you know, so. so the, the way that this connects specifically to understanding what is lawful and how not to be taken or manipulated by these, um, their legal structures, but um, so it, that's connected to legal fiction um, because the, so many things are legal fictions and we often don't realize how that impacts our, our, our circumstances directly. Right. I, yeah. I have my scrambled ways of, of framing this. We have all of these different group conversations where we're saying this in our different languages. So I'm trying to bridge them here. Yeah, it's all legal fiction. Totally. You're 100% right. It's all legal fiction. If it's not real, if it doesn't breathe, it doesn't walk, it doesn't talk, it's a fiction. So we're not talking about, well, I mean, what, what is legal fiction then in terms of like what, the, what are the main ingredients of a 508? Um, that, that, that we need to be aware of? Um, like, you, is that not a legal fiction or is that our legal fiction that joins the realm of legal fiction that others are operating in? Well, the church <laughs> is, the church is not, um, the church is not a, 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 an organization, so to speak. The church is not a place, you know, the church is a, it's a body of people that assemble. So that falls under the, the First Amendment right to assemble and right to, uh, you know, exercise your religion. So the church is not a legal entity. The church has to form a legal entity in order to do business. And that would be an overseer or something to that effect. There has to be an office. It has to create a separate legal entity. So you have the church, which is the body of, of the, the believers, of the people that come together and assemble, right? Every person's a temple. So it's an, it's actually an association of temples, right? Cause you have an assembly of temples, that's the church. And then you have to create a legal entity, which would be what people register. Well, I don't ever do that. I don't register anything. So I'm not, the church is not a legal entity, so to speak. Okay. So when we organize ourselves to be um, a, a place that can receive donations that are tax deductible for people who are who are part of like i mean we're part of the tax system in that way um and i yeah. think i'm trying to discern like where this lives in what you're saying well first off uh, nobody should be part of the tax system because it's voluntary <laughs> so i mean anybody that's paying tax is clearly not of god because you're just giving your money over to satan's world which is the commerce which is the whole realm of so you know that's a whole sham in itself but there's nothing you need to do other than fill out an ss4 to get an ein or go online um right. to the irs website and, and i you think just that's what we've done is i think we've yeah. gotten the ein number yeah, um, nothing wrong with that so like we're we're building these bridges from the crumbling paradigm we're getting people out of the crumbling paradigm and we're bridging to where we all can can be more in recognition of the the, the problematic nature of the tax system altogether. Um, yeah. the, there are so many different kinds of conversations that are happening because so many people are co-opted into patterns that they are not choosing. Oh, um, sure. Figuring out how to live our lives in a way that is truly in respect and support of one another and, mm -hmm. and aligned with our own values. Is, mm -hmm. It's really, it's really heavy, and so many people 
um, you know, don't speak the same languages about it, but are all striving to find their way to the others who recognize, you know, how good things can be when we let this stuff go. And it's sure. really, really long journeys for a lot of people. But um, this, this understanding, like this has been sort of a basic project that we can apply our cognitive rehab to, our neurological rehab mm -hmm. to, to um, putting pieces in place, just like where it is out of necessity. Um, I think we were about to lose our PayPal account. We were not able to figure out what was going on. And then we realized we have to have an EIN number. So suddenly we got one and suddenly we had a 50A-C1A. Um, yeah. Sort of, it was magical in its way, but we, we really do want to understand more about how to move across the bridge. Like we're interacting with this tax stuff now, people are interacting with with hospitals and like situations where people have implants in their bodies, they have different um, conditions where they are now relying on medical pharmaceuticals where like mm -hmm. the absence of those people may die very quickly or maybe there's some way to make a transition. So like um, finding our way to what you are talking about being outside the tax system is a really important part of what a lot of people need to, to understand better. So like, maybe sure. Well, yeah, a little bit. taxes have nothing to do with the way that you receive any sort of care or anything. Taxes have nothing to do with any of that. You know, taxes don't even fund any of that if it's government related, you know, but if you are accepting a government benefit, then you are essentially a government slave and you have to follow bouncing ball you have to follow whatever they tell you that's why the social security number is attached to you that's the mark of the beast so that you can be a government slave and continue to utilize that number and get a benefit from the government as an employee so you know taxes are completely voluntary whether you use that number or not is voluntary it's not it's not uh, mandatory so it, people just have to make a choice. They have to start making choices and they have to think about how am I going to handle this? How am I going to continue to get my care? Getting care should have nothing to do with any tax thing or, or anything like that. It doesn't have anything to do with it. That's a whole separate contract, you know? So I, I think that, I, oh, go ahead. I don't want to. What I would do is definitely have a directive to physicians on, you know, a, a, a healthcare power of attorney, because if one of your members or something, you know, is unconscious and they got to go in the hospital, they're going to start giving them all kinds of COVID protocols. So they need to have a directive to physicians that has two or three powers of attorneys listed on it so that these people can make decisions on their behalf while they're unconscious. Like that's really huge, you know? Um, that you know religious affidavit wouldn't help or wouldn't hurt um having someone I, I don't know how you guys set up your 508 but someone should definitely be ordained in there you shouldn't set up a 508 without some sort of ordination okay. um so and you can get an ordination from universal life church right online in two seconds you know and it's recognized so it doesn't matter you know it's recognized now you can perform weddings and do all kinds of fun stuff baptisms um but the point being is, you know, you're saying I'm an ordained minister and that ordained minister can write affidavits out for, you know, the people of the church that, that their religion does not allow them to uh, lose faith in God and God and that faith says that anything God gives me is, is, you know, for my benefit. So whether it's a disease or a heart attack or whatever, it's, that's my faith. And I make that decision. No one else makes that decision, you know, and then of course, other other pertinent points about the body and, you know, being natural and all that stuff. So you write an affidavit, you know, religious affidavit from the ordained minister that would help. Um, 
you know, you just have to start thinking around how, how are we going to do this stuff? You know, the, the, again, I believe that it's not just setting up an organization. I mean, you have an organization. It's, it's, it's your name, your name and your social security number. That is a legal organization. It's already set up and it's already tax exempt. You just don't know how to exempt it because you're using the wrong side of it. You're using the public side of it, not the private side of it. So ultimately we ended up in the, I think we ended up in this circumstance because PayPal said, um, it needed some kind of documentation or something, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, hugely, it's about financial access to severely disabled people who can't use the platforms because I can barely see what I'm doing and yeah. other people barely can help. Um, so it's like um, PayPal requires someone to be able to read their screens in a particular way in order to have any kind of financial access. And severely intersectionalized people are frequently, because of PayPal's own marketing, Mm -hmm. are frequently relying on PayPal and can't reach any other platform to, to try and participate economically in any way, mm. which is required in all of these, in all of these different ways. So um, one of the things that we, we always want to keep bringing up is that it's like in, in, I mean, people have seen movies like this where um, the, the, the really violent people co-opt other people into their violence, but don't protect the people that they co-opt. So like if you're helping violent people, the violent people are not necessarily going to protect you. Like in movies, you watch them abandon their own. And that's exactly what's happening. People who are upholding trafficking pathways and they don't realize they're doing it. And when they do realize they're doing it, they're being abandoned into the same kinds of terrible violence yeah. That, that have been perpetuated by people doing this, which is another reason that everyone needs to recognize how everyone is being trafficked in these different ways. Mm -hmm. the, the seemingly milder ways support the much, much worse ways. Totally. So you can find yourself immediately in contact with that violence you had no idea was there if you don't tend to the strength and the, the, the ways, the strength of your communities and the ways your communities are organized to include and respect living beings mm -hmm. fundamentally. Absolutely. Um, and so like, that's part of how we got into a more faith-based conversation when so many of us have suffered abuse having to do with churches. Like it's very, totally. very totally. difficult to use some of this languaging for many of us. Yeah. That's because those churches are the satanic part and you have to read the Bible and understand who they are. You know, they're, they're not who they say they are. They're just the satanic part. So you take that out of it and you keep the good parts, all the stuff about, you know, uh, God will condemn you and you will be destroyed. I mean, that's all bullshit, right? I, I don't know if you've ever watched any videos of people that have literally died and, and come back to life, but every one of them has the same story and they don't know each other. Their stories are very the same. I died. I saw my life before my eyes, like a movie. And I was given the choice to come back or not. I was given the choice to look at my life and say, yeah, I hurt that person. I shouldn't have done that. No one judged me. Right. So it's all a lie. That's all. That's not Christianity. That's, you know, Satanism disguised as Christianity. So yeah, it is, it, it is going to be hard for people that um, have been abused by that that system but you know again it's it's like they show you the answer and they turn it around or they show you the way out they just turn it around they use it against you to keep you caged in yes 
So you really have to come to terms with like saying, okay, I'm okay with this. Like I can turn this around. You know, you don't have to go. I don't, I would never say I'm a pastor or a priest or anything, not in my ministry. I'm a minister. That's why the Protestants were so important. And that's why they destroyed Protestantism because uh, the Protestants were not teaching the Bible the way the Catholics wanted them to. So they destroyed them. You know, they went after Martin Luther. They, you know, did all these different things to the Protestants till they destroyed the culture and then, or the religion, the belief system, and then put it back under the, the Vatican Christian, you know, uh, umbrella, you know. So all these religions are all tainted. They're all smeared. Um, the true Christianity does not function in that way. True Christianity functions in a very pure, you know, honest way. Um, there's no sacrificing and all that stuff. It's ridiculous. Like it doesn't even make any sense, <laughs> you know? So clearly that's, a, that's something that people are going to have to really understand and, and overcome. But in order, I mean, in a, in a sense of having an organization that's protected, you know, it's, yeah. if you're going to be under the 508, these systems. Yeah. Okay. yeah. If you're going to be, if you're going to be under 508, it has to fit that criteria or they will destroy it. They will come after it. They'll destroy it easily. You know, you got to have some sort of defensive mechanism in the midst of these systems. We are doing yeah. so much neurological repair and verbal access rehab through conversations with you and about what what we have been learning because we came into contact with your work. Um, and you you recently redid the website for mm -hmm. your association also. So like we haven't gotten to explore that at all yet, but we're excited about it. I'm excited about it because I am the I am the the person who is a member. Um oh, awesome. Like I wanted to clarify that because I remember verbal words of clarifying, but I'm also still learning how to say the things and retain um particular information. So it's really it's challenging and it feels perilous. It feels perilous, me, myself, interacting with it because of my disability circumstances, but, but like us knowing there has to be some way of building this bridge and not, not knowing exactly what it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's happening. It's building. I mean, we have a community forum too. Once you do get around to logging back into the website, the new website's got the community forum and people are really starting to talk and, you know, get together and share their experiences. And, you know, uh, it's, it's really starting to take off, even though there's a couple hundred people in it, but, um, and we're just, I mean, we're literally just getting started. I'm just getting ready to put my 508 model up there, my 508 uh, trust and association model. Because now um, PMAs are the hottest thing, which they're all done completely wrong. I look at them and I just think, man, a lot of people are going to get in trouble this year. <laughs> it's all I know because they're done completely. Like people are using them just to run business. And it's, that's not what they're there for. You know, nonprofit means what it says, nonprofit. The profit goes back into the business. You know, it doesn't mean people can't get paid. Of course, people can get paid for their service. It just means that nothing is profited. Nothing is used to benefit anyone within the organization or the organization itself. It's only there to benefit the, the people, you know? So there's other mechanisms. There's other organizations you can use uh, for profit, like trusts you know, things like that. So yeah, that's a whole other conversation that we're gonna, well, we're sort of, we're, we're starting to lead into those conversations a lot. Um, one of the things that I want to sort of highlight just a little bit while we're sort of in this territory is about how um, survivors of violence um, in all of these different ways 
Um, we talked a little bit, I think, last time about multiplicity. And mm -hmm. so like many of us have been in these situations, um, not only that would fragment us, but would force us to rely on one another and always be thinking of a we that is a lot of people instead of an I and it being made so specifically dangerous to say. So like, I've been really working on that lately, like being able to say things as myself instead of as us, because I had to protect myself from violence by invoking a group so extremely for such a long time. Um, that so like now, like we're talking about structures of law that require very specific words. So this rebuilding of neurological function is a mm -hmm. really huge thing um, where like we're, we're just sort of looking for any way that communities can be connected. And I don't know what that is exactly. That's maybe future conversations. I don't know where that may fit in, in what you're working on because we want to support what you're working on now actively so much um but like how can how can more of us participate when there are not dollars because of the collapsing dollar and we're organizing food access and stuff like that and i've seen you mention things about how people can connect when dollars are not available or when other like we we have all of these economic inclusion for severely disabled people conversations that we're having mm -hmm. um so i you know that may be a place that we can explore a little bit yeah, I mean, well, definitely, you know, if you have a church set up and stuff, and if you set up an association or whatever else, doesn't even matter, just the church alone. I mean, you could take these donations in and they go out to because that's what the church is for, charitable purposes, you know, health, um, you know, it's a whole list of things that, that are charitable, right? Poor, the poor. So how could, how could more people be, so like, it would be sort of... Um, well, we're we're still learning how to how to think in our brains about the way funding flows. Thank you. Um, so, like, um, part of it is um, our need to support um, people in key positions that are in violence that are protecting infrastructure. We need to preserve the infrastructure so we get these people out of violence. But then, like, a huge part of this is how do we funnel more resources? into all of the organizations that are providing specific kinds of supports for us. And the work that you're doing around how people protect themselves and their communities from the, the kinds of criminal enterprises that have been so prolific. Um, mm -hmm. uh, this, like, this is fundamentally something people need to understand to avoid being predated um, by, by what is go going on out there. Um, and so, we want to, I mean, part of us recording publicly is that we, we really want to make sure that people recognize what are the resources that we need right now to stop trafficking networks from operating and make sure that communities can build steadily and safely without being interrupted, without being um, um, having this violence fomented right in their midst. Um, it sucks up so many resources. People don't even know that the resources are missing, but it's mm -hmm. because trafficking networks are sucking them up. Um, and just people are sick and they don't know what's going on and they're confused. And then somebody takes advantage of them for money or drags them into the medical system or whatever. Um, and so um, it's been so important for us to have all of these conversations. And like, I mean, I should look at my list again um, and see if there's mm -hmm. particular... <laughs> 
um, because there are so many places that this goes. Oh, yeah, totally. That that's the hard part is there's so many different tentacles to it, you know, and, and how do you tame those? You know, that's really the question. How do you tame those tentacles and put them into into place? Right. Because it's all about organization. So your organization be at the church, you know, how is it going to create funds? How is it going to take funds in that type of thing? And again, being a church, you have the ability to create, to um, accept donations and gifts and all kinds of stuff. You know, you're, you're a 501c3, essentially, um, you just don't have to file anything. So you would function just like a 501c3 functions. You just don't have to file anything. You have, you have your, you know, your organization is set up. You have your board of directors, you have meetings, you have minutes. That's why bylaws are super important. So we have an EIN. Do we have, we, do we not have to file? A, like if we say to people that their donations are tax deductible, do we not have to file? That's like a point of, that's like a, is that no, a that, if, thing? If there are, that- no, if there are people donating that want a, um, a tax deduction, you just give them a receipt. Here you go. You, for the tax deduction but yeah just like just like uh report that to somebody no is that part that, of the brainwashing can we talk about that oh yeah that the only there's no reporting because you're accepted from the tax code there's no 508 accepted there's no reporting all you do we're is gonna, give a receipt we're so gonna, here's we're gonna share this publicly is that okay are we yeah, okay? That's totally fine. It's what that's what 508 this? says. So we're not so doing something bad. I'm sorry, I'm trauma processing no. right now with you right here. No, there's nothing bad about <laughs> it. Look, all you have to do is go to 26 USC 508 and pull it up and read it. I mean, it says clearly okay. that 501c3 and all the laws that pertain to it pertain to all these organizations except the church, its auxiliaries, its conventions, and its associations. So we're saying to people who give us donations who are currently part of the tax system, we're saying you can get a credit, you can get a reprieve from the bully by by interacting with us because you're registered with them. But nowhere does it say that we have to report to the bully or you're you're not. Yeah, you're not you're not registering anything. You're not registering. There's no registering. You don't, they don't register. There's, there's no need to, there's no law that says it has to be registered. You definitely need to realize that the registration of anything is the giving up of that thing to be administered by the the government. So the 508 simply says that you can function exactly like a 501c3. You can give out your receipts. People can get taxed, all that. You just don't have to fill out any 508 or 501c3 paperwork. You don't have to file anything. There's nothing to do. There are so many layers of gaslighting and misinformation. And oh, people, of course, like, accountants, do. attorneys, they're all going to try to force you into being a 501c3 because they don't know any better. You, you talk, I, we talk all the time about people misinterpreting the Bible for power and also people misinterpreting all of these policies and stuff for power. And then the way it filters to us is like a game of telephone. We have no idea what actually happened until we really find enough support to dig into it. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. You really have to get your feet wet and get into it. I mean, that's the other part of it, right? You got to be brave enough to 
to know that this is the truth. I mean, f- churches that that sell themselves to 501c3 are satanic churches, period. There, there, there's no other way for it. It doesn't matter, you know, how pure they are or what their intention is or their heart. As soon as they register, they just registered with the satanic system and they gave the church away. So that's the bottom line. And yes, you're going to get a lot of professionals that can't wrap their mind around that. It clearly says right in 508C1A that churches are accepted. (laughs) E-X-C-E-P-T-E-D. Like that's why I tell everybody, like if you're ever challenged on the legitimacy of your 508C1A, you just go to 26 USC 508C1A and print it out. There you go. I can't argue that. (laughs) It's that simple. Could we say something for um, people who have or are involved in 501c3s um, to help them understand that distinction and and how they can transition? Um, Again, I I think if they just go to the tax code and read it. Like that's all you can do is read it. It's very simple tax code. It's only, you know, it's one little section that is very easy to see. And how can they argue with that? Right. But, but what a lot of people are going to do is, well, I don't know. So I better go to somebody that knows I better go to another authority. I better go to my accountant. I better go to my attorney. And these are all just people who are severely brainwashed and ignorant and they are, and they're indoctrinated and they've built their life on their status of being this position of this title that they received as a blessing from the state and they're not going to be able to help you much so right and we have these circumstances of 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 continuing and increasing disability people are becoming more disabled more severely disabled and they're not always sure what's happening Mm -hmm. and so like they're they're struggling to get out of their situations from whatever places but like what what severely disabled survivors of trafficking have been able to accomplish means that all of us can do this together. Mm-hmm. So wherever we're coming from on it, no matter how confrontive some of this stuff feels to many people, oh, um, yeah. we can it's talk very about it, we can work on it together, we can figure out like how to translate this language to this language because there's a lot of that that needs to happen. Like, like you know, some people have been taught that many of these words mean completely different things. Mm-hmm. And we have to come to that together in relationship. It can't be handed to us as a snapshot. It's a living process. It's a process. It's a living, breathing thing, you know, so it constantly changes. So for people that are, um, you know, disabled in that way, if they are legally competent, for me, the best thing I would do is have them sign a power of attorney to someone that will protect them. Well, so, so in terms of legal competence, like there's this whole range because what, what happens is that when people are really severely disabled, they are not recognized as, as legally competent, competent. right? Um, and like that, that can go very, very far. People are very unique beings that that have managed to survive in very unique ways, and right. we can talk with one another. But competency is this huge, right? So, see, that's when the state steps in as the church, right? And the state steps in as the charitable organization to take care of the ward of the state. So, this all goes back to their birth registration. I mean, you could take over someone's estate. All you do is put the claim on it. It doesn't matter if they're incompetent or not. You're taking over the legal person, the legal estate, which is different than the, the real estate, you know, so uh, which is the living body. 
so there are ways that I would do it. Um, but it's, again, that's, I can do it. Right. But that doesn't mean anybody can do it because I've spent years in, in studying this stuff, but there, there has to be a way where the church can speak on behalf of those that are, uh, you know, incompetent or, you know, wards of the state, if you will. So, so that's for a way we're, we're looking for a way to, um, give power of attorney to, uh, to, it, it's to someone that so will protect violence them. for so many people. Yeah. Like, how do we have a form of protectorship that frees people from? Yeah. If they're legally incompetent, that's a tough one, right? Because they can't sign it. So they can't sign the power of attorney. They but can't see, grant the legal, power of attorney. Like, over. I mean, when we say legal incompetence, we might mean that they're, they can totally do the things, but they're being prevented by um, governmental um, or organizational things. Or um, they may not actually be able to like sign something, but they can give consent to someone who understands their communications. Well, let's do this. Let's look up. This is how I always do stuff, right? Elements of legal incompetence. Okay. okay. Um, this is a good conversation for us to be having. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, we're having it for a reason, right? <laughs> okay. So meaning we're always guided, right? We're always guided. So incompetence, definition, legal definition from Cornell Law School says, lack of legal ability to do something, especially to testify or stand trial, also known as incompetency, may be caused by various types of disqualifications, inability, or unfitness. Someone who is judged incompetent by means of a formal hearing may have a guardian appointed by the court. Sometimes the sole disqualification is age, see minority. Number two, in popular usage, a general lack of ability or qualification to do something. All right, so, um, so okay, now look, here, this is great. I love this part. Underneath it says procedure. In some jurisdictions, any interested person may petition for a court to declare someone incompetent. Okay, so interested person is a very uh, broad term that can encapsulate a lot of things. If someone had interest in your estate, they could easily take over for you. You just, they have to have interest in your estate. So then you think, well, how do I get interest in their estate? Well, you, I would uh, put a claim against their, their uh, certificate, their, their registration certificate, their birth certificate, their naturalization certificate, you know, a claim against their estate for some reason that gives me interest in it. So again, there's ways to do it. I can't really get into the details because um, that's a slippery slope to begin with, but you know, someone brave enough could actually do that. I believe um, I, you know, can't say that anyone should do it. Um, but when we get into incompetence, I mean, you really have to see, are they incompetent? Can they make a decision on their own cognitively? You know, do they understand the parameters of what they're doing uh, or what they're signing? So, right? so let's say someone gave a uh, legal, you know, power of attorney or wanted to give you power of attorney to speak on their behalf. What does that power of attorney say? Does it say my, my uh, duties as attorney, in fact, are limited and they're only limited to this? Bam, 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 bam. Or does it say my duties are broad? And I can do whatever with them because I'm their agent. I'm their attorney, in fact. You know, so there's a limited power of attorney, you know, or a general power of attorney, which is not so limited. There's a durable power of attorney, which means it lasts beyond the life of the 
the principle, which is the one granting the power. So the, the one who is sick or needs help would be the principle. They would be granting an agent power. Um, as long as they're competent to do that and they understand the parameters of that, it should be fair game. But see, if another party comes and says, oh, they were incompetent, now the other party has to prove that they're incompetent. So. Okay, so the proving of incompetency thing. So the what, what you just described um, was sort of, it was joyful for me. You described the mechanism of something that's being used to hurt a lot of people in our network. Right, Where someone totally. expresses interest in what someone has and then extracts from them by various means. Um, can, can we, when we talk about needing to protect ourselves from it, is it, it's either the person is competent in the legal system and does their, um, does their paperwork to establish that they're no longer going to be this, this CAPS person, um, mm -hmm. um, or they are incompetent in that legal system like is it that binary and they have to have a person who's a protector or a guardian but we would call that person a a, a, a disability aid a person yeah, a guardian helping as a disability aid in a respectful and honorable way mm -hmm. um and so like the word protector and the word guardian is they're scary words for a lot of people um, mm -hmm. for those reasons. Um, but is it, it's that binary in the system. It has to be either one of those in order to protect ourselves from the predator system that is operating in these ways. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Everything they use against you is exactly what you need to use. <laughs> They're just using it the opposite way. So they show you what to do, right? They, because they're doing it to you. You just use it the opposite way. You use it for the good part of it rather than the, the evil part of it, right? Because so it's all of, du duality. There's a lot of protecting living beings that we we can do by, by organizing ourselves in these ways. And when yes. we're talking about a network where, where we can welcome people who are, because people, um, it's diasporic. I mean, pe people are being pushed out of all of these places and they're living on the road or they're living in temporary situations where they're, they're getting sick and they're dying. And so like people are searching for some way of anchoring themselves to real regenerative resourcing. And so we need a network of real regenerative resourcing where we're also aware of how do we protect ourselves in the midst of these structures and how do we help people transition the resources that have been tied up by these predatory systems are like the systems are crumbling and the, the resources can be back in the stewardship of those who are best to steward them. Yeah, that's where, again, that birth registration is so important. That's why I say, like, everybody should have a few of their birth certificates on hand, you know, because, I mean, that's your, that's your title to the kingdom, essentially. That's your title to say, yes, I am the owner of all of this, the entire system. I own it. Here's my, here's my share certificate, you know, that's super important. And, and again, it's hard when, when you have people that, uh, aren't competent in that, or they don't understand it and forget legal competence, just competent in general, that they don't, you know, understand that this is really what's being administrated most of the time. And even if it's not what's being administrated, it's a very powerful tool to use to stop someone from administrating your, your person. In a lot of cases, it's the only thing left to try. Um, Pretty much, yeah. So deeply ensconced 
in some get, systems. Yeah, they got to get rid of that name and that number. And, and when I say get rid of it, I mean, stop using it, you know, start figuring out other ways. Or once you learn how to put the interest on it enough to where you can not be held liable to it, then that's, you can use it. But, you know, doing that business takes a little bit of time to understand, you know, and get set up. So I know it's a lot. <laughs> it really is a lot. But those certificates are real and they're powerful. They're there for a reason. They're just administrating vessels under the law of the sea, you know, the holy sea, the, the maritime sea. And, you know, the vessel they create is that thing. And they will come and they will seize it. You know, they will seize that vessel under military law principles, admiralty law, law of the sea type principles. So the vessel becomes you, you, you admit to being the vessel and they come and they seize you and they do whatever they want with you because it's a, it's a, it's an abandoned piece of property. And if, so think about when a ship is sailing out at sea and there's no crew on it and it's just out there in the waves, you know, all the crew has died. Anyone can come along and salvage that ship, anyone. And now it's theirs. And they can bring it back to shore and they can take it into an admiralty court, which is essentially what we have here. And they can say, yeah, I have interest in this. Now this is mine. I will do what I want with it. And the court will say, okay, yes, there's no one else around. No one's stepping up to claim it. You have the award. You do what you want with it. You know, that's really what's going on here. You have a bunch of abandoned ships. And that's why your citizenship is, is important, right? Because that's your ship. That's why it's called a citizenship you're out there sailing in the waters every day and that's really the depth of it like that's the depth of how they've built the system and then what they do is they put it under civil law so everything's under the three departments of civil law property status obligation and every single law pertains to one of those three or all three and uh until we understand how that whole thing operates it's it's really tough for us to navigate and that's what we're trying to do is just get people to understand these things are actually occurring and there are undercurrents in the legal system that uh, all tie in together through the military law which is admiralty the commercial law which is shipping and then the civil law which is uh roman law so forget the common law because there's you know very very rarely can they even uh recognize that at this point so yeah, it's really we've really got to be building pathways about helping people with the birth certificates situation. Oh, I that's always been that's, my because flagship. That, that's always been that's always been one of the major challenges is that it gets that much harder to reach after this mm -hmm. particular threshold. But if we organize more um in groups to that effect, I mean there have to oh, be yeah. Well, and that's why we, we want to build the community in our private, uh, you know, organization like we have so people can actually discuss these things with each other and help each other and figure out who's in whose state and local community to, to help each other, you know, and everybody's under agreement that comes in. So if someone's acting nefariously, then, you know, we'll find out and they'll be out or if they try to come at us like an infiltrator that tries to come in, they're under an agreement too. So they're actually putting themselves in harm's, harm's way. And a, a huge part of this is, is that um, like our, our, uh, our morals, our ethics of interaction with one another, our honorable interactions with one another um, extend not only to how we're interacting uh, like in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but also to the structures 
that that the community consists of and supports itself with and like when 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 we're thinking of respectfulness and and honorableness and lawfulness and like how do we have peacefulness and how do we have what we need and be able to communicate um wisely with one another and build good things and so the, so that we don't have all of this destruction um like having that extend to all of the levels of our environments and the ways that we treat with one another is so important. And so like one of the yes. things that we really want to be talking about a lot is how do we ask people to bring their resources into what you are doing to, and I mean, I don't want to say it as simplistically as subsidize individual membership accounts, but we could say it that way. Like, how do we get more members of our network connected with your community in the way that I have been able to connect with your community, which is still just like the tip of the iceberg in that. Yeah, I mean, there, so, there are lots of ways to do this, I imagine. Yeah. So for us, I mean, again, we, we have to be in agreement. Everybody has to be in agreement with the principles of the organization and the community itself. And that's where the, the membership agreement comes in, because you're saying, yes, I agree to these principles. I agree to be to be part of this community and, you know, follow the, the standards of the community, which are very simple. Right. It's two laws of, of two, two commandments. Right. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Love God with all your heart, mind and soul. There's not much else to really do after that, right? If you break one of those, then clearly you're not healed enough to be part of the community or you don't want to be part of the community or, you, you know, maybe you, you need help. So it's very easy to see when someone needs help in that regard because there's only two, two rules to follow. So the rest, again, is just, you know, legal agreement, um, what people can and can't do, that we have our own way of resolving disputes and things like that. And they just agree not to go out and take all of our work and put it all over the internet, which is the NDA part. So that's really it. I mean, there's not much else to connect in with us other than that. And then we ask for support donations so that we can keep putting this thing into, into play. You know, I mean, we, we've got to build it too. And, and again, a nonprofit, you get your, you get your, your, um, functionality you get your resources from the people that are donating in and being part of it you know everybody works together everybody builds this thing together so you know we, it's taken a lot of of resources for us to just get where we are and we need more because we got to keep building you know so and and the more people come and contribute the more resources are being pulled into the entire community in other words right now the focus is the website getting getting things in order so that it's very easy to see what steps do i need to take what am i doing how you know here's my issue is there help for that how do we build that out you know we have to have people on staff to do that stuff and be able to continue so everything works uh, holistically to you know um, feed itself and there's no profit being made you know everything goes back into building the system building the new system right or newer systems better systems for the community and people can emulate that. I mean, they can, you know, they can sure come in to see how we've done things, what we're doing and build their own if they want. That's up to them. They just can't use our stuff to do it because that's our, you know, that's our uh, proprietary information. Or I shouldn't even say information, but our, our work product, if you will, for lack of a better word. Well, yeah, but, but they could easily do their own. It takes so much knowledge and coordination to, to be able to go through all of that verbal. And I mean, gosh, what? Uh, 
we really appreciate that being cut off from verbal access, having to rebuild our neurological functions this way. So like there, there's a, for people who cannot participate as directly by, 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 by going through the agreement at the beginning, if mm -hmm. people are not able to do that, but they, they still really want to support in some way that sees this realized and accessible to more people, um, I, that, that's something that, that, that we are always trying to figure out. So if you have any insights about that, that would be really wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would, um, encourage members to, to build their own societies and communities, you know, just the same, really just the same as, as we're doing. Like, again, it's, it's their principles that we've put in place and structures, but that's oh, not I proprietary. Mean I mean, in terms of the eyes and the neurological functions, being mm. able to thread together the words in the order and be able to click the button. Um, so gotcha. the need for these kinds of communities is so extensive. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that would be something um, we'd have to think about how we could do that, you know, so people like, could really- like that, Would that require people to be, like, would that be le legal incompetence like we were talking about, or that may be a whole broader- Well, it, you know, contract law basically works on the fact that the other party has to understand what they're getting into. Well, you they know? can understand, but they would need a translator. Right, that's what I mean. So you would have someone translate to them, and as long as they agree and they understand, then that would be a way to work around that. So there you know. could be a verbal version of a process that otherwise would use words and clicking. <laughs> yeah, you mean like like if they were on the computer trying to figure out what to do kind of thing or? Like could a person go through that informational process verbally instead of having to click or in another way? I mean, this is, I. We're, we're coming up on the hour mark and this could get so complicated, yeah. but I'm excited that I'm just excited that there are some little possible pathways emerging there. So I don't know what that is, but a lot of people are really, their hearts yes. are in this and we, we know that there's a way to be connected. We just don't know exactly what it is. Yet. Yeah. So if they're having trouble uh, just being able to, you know, facilitate going through the actual process of clicking and and reading and you know if there was someone that could do that for them that they have power to do it right power of attorney somehow to say a power yeah. of attorney situation yeah they would okay. say yes i granted my agent uh, the ability you know the authority to walk me through this you know so, so disability aids with power of attorney okay we've yeah, got the list yeah. of future conversations we're doing great <laughs> yeah the power of attorneys is super really uh quote-unquote powerful thing you know there's a thing called um next friend which would be like you know someone that doesn't have any descendants or anything you know would be their next friend would be able to do that uh, you could look that up the legal definition of yeah next friend um which is typically used in like a um, decedent situation in probate or whatever, but it still stands to reason that if I don't have anyone that I can trust, any family members or anything, of course, I'm going to need a friend, right? That's the next friend principle. So there are some, yeah, there's some, okay. there's some ways, there's some ways, I'm sure. We're yep. happening upon new stuff. We will do more research before we reach out to you again next. Um, I, I'll send you an email about the thing from from earlier. Um, 
yeah, examples too are good for me. Like if you have examples, um, you know, that you could say, hey, well, in this situation, you know, of course you wouldn't use people's names or anything, but you know, what, what would happen in this situation or what would you do in this situation? And then I could have a better understanding and maybe give some insight in how I would approach certain things. All right. Well, but those birth certificates are those birth registrations are huge and don't register your churches ever. Okay. <laughs> and I know we, but we we registered ours, but we're not recommending other people register theirs. Is yeah, that... I wouldn't do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you. And we're going to put, I mean, we're going to have a lot of this stuff up on the website too. That's my next um, phase of the website is to start putting up, you know, what that these churches, if you will, they're only called churches for lack of a better word, but you know, we're fitting the legal construct. So we are protecting ourselves, but we have to use the language, how we interpret that and, and practice it is completely our business. It's nobody else's business, right? We have the right to exercise our religion. I don't even like the term religion, right? But again, these are all legal terminologies to fit. Uh, what needs to be done to unlock the door, so to speak, so that we can continue being a charitable organization. So grateful for your time. Oh, you're welcome. So, so grateful, grateful we got to do this. Yes. And the stuff that you're working on. So we're going to keep um, helping people get to a point where they can sign up for memberships um, directly, if that's like within possible scope at the moment. And um, these conversations have really been making a huge difference across the network oh, um, they've been facilitating a lot of other really much needed conversations so oh good part of that in the way oh you're are. welcome that's what we need more conversations you know sparking more thought so i'm happy to hear that cool um your website for people to find after they finish watching this video oh house of marcus m-a-r-k-u-s dot org not.com and they can go to the support and send in a ticket they don't have to be a member um, we do allow users to see certain pages but they have to sign an nda and they can see certain pages our library and stuff but but uh members have full access to the community and you know there are certain things that we're doing behind the the private veil so and we have to keep that private that's how we protect ourselves right just like the guys just like they protect themselves right just like the the ones who are doing the uh, the evil work. They're doing the same thing. They're protecting themselves by keeping it private. So we're doing the same thing that they do. We're just not hurting anybody <laughs> like they are because that's all they care to do. So we're, we're not doing, doing good. that. We're doing good and it's building and really exciting things are happening. We will be visualizing wonderful, wonderful successes and and we'll, we'll keep tuned in with what yes. you're doing. Um, please do. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Please, please do that because it's, you know, you have to have that emotion and that heart centered space in the thought process of what you're trying to, you know, manifest so that we can bring this thing into reality. So, and if people do that, then it's going to happen faster. So, and it's already happening faster. It is faster and faster. It's you're picking up. Yeah, because people are getting more heart centered and, you know, connecting their emotion with with what they truly desire the future to be, you know, so it's good stuff. <laughs> I hope you have the most wonderful day and love to your family and safety and success to all of your endeavors. No, you as well. And keep in touch. And, uh, you know, let's have a great new year. Let's have a great new year. <laughs> Thank you. Bless you. You're welcome. Love you. Take care. We'll talk soon.
Blessings. Okay. Bye-bye.